Blog Talk Radio. pediatric speech-language pathologist, and welcome to Teach Me to Talk, the podcast. Today, we are talking about something that is so common that every one of us, if you have worked for more than one or two weeks, (laughs) you probably have dealt with this situation. It's uh, working with one of our little friends, one of our little clients, and he wants to get the heck out of there. And so we're talking about today avoidance and escape during therapy sessions, and we'll be walking through this entire problem-solving process with what kinds of considerations should we make, what questions should we be asking ourselves, and how do we handle this really, really, really familiar issue that we all deal with and a lot of parents deal with this too when they're trying to work with their own child i get tons of emails about this at teachmetotalk.com where people usually moms will say i have tried my best to uh, get some of these activities that you have on your website going and he, he won't have any of it he just runs he does everything he can to get away so even if you're a parent this show will be really really helpful for you if you too are dealing with this issue. Now, instead of me just blabbing on and on and on about this, I have a guest today. Hi, Hannah. How are you? Good. How are you doing, Laura? I'm good. And Hannah is a therapist, and she is dealing with this situation. And I actually met Hannah several years ago. She came to one of my conferences in Texas. She doesn't live there, though, so that's a surprise um, if any of you are trying to figure out who she is and if you know her. Uh, but anyway, she emailed me this question, and I thought it was so great, and I'm so happy that you decided to let us use your real-life <laughs> circumstance <laughs> to kind of work through this. So, Hannah, why don't you tell us a little bit about what's been going on with your little friend? Sure. Um, so I have a kiddo on my case there that is, um, that is definitely using some avoidance tactics. Um, he has difficulty engaging for sure. Um, anytime that we try to do any kind of exciting play or any kind of, you know, anything directed towards him or trying to get him involved in things that we're doing, he, he tends to run to another room or, you know, run to mom and cry and, and do things like that. Aww. So I think that he yeah. he's definitely using some of those things and, 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 I'm I'm fairly well at, you know, getting kids involved and, and things like that. But in this case, it's just really different. Okay, so let me just get straight to the heart of this. Does he have a diagnosis? He does not, but he's definitely showing those red flags. Okay, so red flags for autism. And, again, if you're a mm-hmm. parent and you're listening to this, you know, don't panic when – we talk about a kid in this way because this is how therapists talk <laughs> with, you know, when we hear words like difficulty engaging, lots of escape activities, won't really stay with, you know, hard to keep him. Those are all really common first signs and symptoms of what we think about with kids who have social interaction problems. And here's why that's important. To communicate, you've got to interact. And so, again, that's just one of the questions that we think about and one of the first things that we consider with the child. And when we hear a therapist like Hannah who says, hey, I've got all this experience. Man, I'm good with kids. Kids like me. I know what I'm doing. I'm pretty good at getting them to stay with me. It's even more of a concern when an experienced therapist says that kind of thing because she knows how to to handle it when it's just kind of a a little mild issue. But, you know, by your own admission, Hannah, you're you're saying, hmm, this is a little different, this is a little worse, Uh, a little harder for me to deal with. Okay, so that's that. So. What what are your goals for him? What what are your what are what's on the IFSP? He's two, right? He's an early intervention. Mhm. Yeah, he's just turned here. So he's he's been in our program about two months or so. Um, not okay. super long, but a lot of his goals revolve yeah. around communication, um, even socializing with family members. They've noticed among you know like other family me- members, like grandparents and things like that, that sometimes. You know, that can be difficult for him, um, yeah. you know, at social gatherings and things like that as well. Right. 
So that's definitely a weakness, just social interaction. How how does he engage with his parents? I mean, is it markedly different? Is he real connected to his mom, or have you seen some just differences with that as well? I think there are some differences there, too. He doesn't make a whole lot of, I guess, eye contact either way, you know, with familiar and non-familiar. And whenever he's connecting and, and kind of communicating, he's doing the, you know, where I'm going to take your hand and I'm going to show you what I want or bring you somewhere. Yeah. And even then, it's not specific. So he'll bring his mom to the refrigerator and he'll just kind of stand there like, okay, like you're supposed to read my mind uh, sort of deal. So yeah. that, uh, that, that becomes difficult too. So. Right. Right. Okay. So we've talked about his weaknesses. So he, he's not interacting even with, uh, close, maybe not immediate family, but familiar people. He's have, still having a harder time with that. And then he's got mm-hmm. a language delay. Is he how how is his receptive language, Hannah? Is he following any commands or is he just really hard to connect with? He's he's definitely hard to connect with. Um he I haven't seen him honestly to to follow too too many directions. Um really at all. Like, you know, if if mom says, you know, his favorite thing is to go outside. So talking about, you know, the things that he likes and definitely is good at if she says okay let's go outside then he'll you know he'll do that and he he really enjoys being outside so we've had a lot of success in the past couple of visits um taking the visit outside um so that would be a a good place for him okay okay good deal okay what are his strengths and hannah you've said and and here's the thing even kids (laughs) who have significant communication delays and disorders still have strengths. Sometimes we have to really look and look and look and look <laughs> before we say, <laughs> man, that's strength. But what would you say what would you say are his strengths? What are, what did he even and I you're not a speech pathologist, are you? You do or you are an early interventionist, right? Yes, yes, that's right one of those teacher mm-hmm. people. So when you did like your <laughs> five area assessment, what did, did he have developmental domains where he was scoring at an age appropriate level? Yeah, uh, gross motor things, you know, like running and jumping and climbing and all of that. Um uh fine motor as well, he seems to be pretty good in. Um uh those are probably his biggest right there. He you know, just seeing what he loves to do outside, I think He's definitely, you know, into those things for sure, and those all seem to be pretty age age appropriate. How are his play skills? Since his fine motor skills are good, is he does he have good play skills or no? Um, not not really. We've we've kind of worked on that too, as far as learning um, to kind of stack blocks and by first, you know, kind of um, you know just tossing them over and and things like that. Um, but as far as playing appropriately and functionally, he's not doing a lot of that that I've seen. Um, he may do okay. differently whenever I'm not there, but <laughs> right. from what exactly. I've seen. Okay, so let me ask you this. So when you emailed me about him, you said the first few sessions went okay because you mm-hmm. were just building four. So sort of yeah. describe how those first sessions went and then walk us through when it started going south, when you started feeling like, mm, you know, give us kind of a, a summary of of how that yeah. looked. So at the beginning, when you went in with mom, he was, and not putting any pressure on him, he was good. He was pretty good, right? Yeah, yeah. And so what I did the first couple of sessions, and especially when I've already read goals as far as, you know, we talked about some social anxiety and social, you know, social type goals, um, I'll kind of direct that attention towards mom. It's just, you know, something that I can kind of, until I can kind of really read a kid, that's what I will do. Um, And and so I've done that. Yeah. And so I did that with her, and that seemed to be pretty good. But any time we would kind of go back and focus on him a little bit, then he would kind Mm -hmm. of retreat. Um, So that was, yeah, that 
that was the first couple of uh, visits, and he did okay. Like, he would uh, eventually, like, kind of bring me a toy or, you know, come up and grab my hand to take me somewhere a couple of times. But uh-huh. after we really started to shift focus, you know, and, and really attend to some of the goals, um, then it became a little bit harder. Okay. So what would you say that you – what are some things that you've found success with, though? You've already mentioned outside that he – that you that's a pretty new development, right? Did you just sort of start doing that in the last couple of weeks? Yeah, yeah, just the last two weeks. Um, I kind of thought about it between visits, and I'm like, I, I bet, I bet we could, since he really likes that, we could have a lot more, you know – participation we'll see a lot more you know social engagement and uh, we've even seen a little bit of um, initiation uh, outside so that's been exciting what do you mean by that so give us some specific um, examples okay so um yes, <laughs> i can give one yesterday <laughs> i could give one yesterday um we were outside and he he loves to push his push toys up and down the driveway and so what we did there um, is we would let him go, and um, and so I just told mom, I was like, okay, let's stop. Let's pause and see if he'll look back to kind of get us to keep going, you know, to to yeah. kind of give that, you know, give us a, okay, you're going to come on, look. And so, and he right. did end up doing that a couple of times. And so I was able to, to get in there, and, yeah, I was able to get in there and um, kind of coach mom, like, whenever he does that, let's give him a word so that way he can pair you know, that look and what he's kind of thinking or feeling with what we're saying, right. you know, just so that he's hearing that. And so um, I think I think I said go or come on or something sure. like that. So, so that was and exciting. And that is exciting. And it's a great strategy, too. And listen, I forgot to ask, is he verbal? Is he saying any words? Is he imitative? He's not. He's not. Okay. Okay, so leading is his primary way of expressing expressing his wants and needs, correct? Yes, yes. Okay, good deal. I'm hearing Mm -hmm. a little bit of feedback in the line. I hope that's not too distracting. Um, So just kind of wanted to mention that we may be having a little bit of technical difficulty, but we're just going to go on because I don't think it's bad enough to (laughs) cease this call. I just wanted to mention that there. Um, All right, so let's. Let's just kind of stop for a minute and talk about and summarize every talk about what we've already talked about and sort of summarize and then I want to talk about some different ideas that I have based on what you're saying. And but before we do that, Hannah, is there anything else that you haven't said about him that you want to say? No, I don't think so. I think we've uh, we've covered quite a bit. Okay. And one thing that I a question that I wrote down that I forgot to ask is how does mom react when he tries to get away from you and is throwing his little tantrums and is real upset with you? What does mom do? He uh she she's not, you know, exactly sure either, I think. She uh she's like, I'm not sure, you know, what's going on or what to do, you know, she said to me a couple of times and um and, and she's like, I don't know why he does this and, and so we just you know, we talk about it and, you know, the fact that we're working on social goals and things like that and, you know, that we're still trying to, to build that rapport with him and, and things like that. So I don't know that she knows exactly how to, to kind of measure it up either. Right. And, but this isn't really unusual behavior for him. She's not, like, mortified and she's not totally saying he's never done this before. It's kind of par for the course for him, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, good deal. All right. So let's just kind of talk about some basics. And, again, Hannah, this is not for you. (laughs) This is for anyone who's listening, particularly parents who are in the same situation. And any time a kid uses a behavior like trying to run away, you know, if we were really classifying or trying to professionally um, put this in professional terminology, we would say, words that you've used, Hannah, he's doing, escape behaviors, avoidance behaviors. And kids aren't the only people who do that. 
adults do that too. Animals do it. I mean, it's just part of, I was going to say human nature, but it's really just part of nature. All of us try to get out of things that we don't like doing. I mean, and again, that's just a very basic way to explain it and a basic way for parents to understand it because sometimes parents really, they know why their kid is, or they they see that their child is upset, they see what's going on, but until you really put words to it and say, he's just mad because he doesn't know how to connect with me during this activity, he, this is hard for him, and like you said, you talk to mom, you know, this is, these are our social goals, and this is what comes first, and this is what's kind of at the root of the problem. So we have to really explain it to parents in that way and make sure that they're on our page and that they – the other thing we have to do is make sure that they know that this is not really him intentionally trying to be bad because some parents will that, – that's why I asked you, how's mom react? You know, they just try to yeah. lay down the law and say, <laughs> you know, I've had parents, you know, want to like – swat a kid's bottom or something and really kind of get their attention and I just feel like no 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 you know let's let's talk about this he's not trying to be a stinker here he's just you know overstimulated this is super super difficult for him and kind of walk through that process and it sounds like you've done a good job with that with mom with talking with her about it and getting her feedback and you have to also figure out, you know, is this the first time this has happened? Because sometimes a parent will say he has never responded in this way before. And that's important for a therapist to know, one, because it could be us. <laughs> it could be that we're doing something that's just really aversive to that child. So we need to ask that question. And then sometimes we really learn that that moms and dads have had very little um impact trying to push a kid socially or trying to make them do anything and so we have to sort of know that dynamic too because if a child has never been challenged or never had any kind of behavioral expectations and I don't mean behavior like you're going to mind me but just like compliance with request or you know I've had I've treated kids before whose moms will say you know, something like I'll, I'll ask about just a, a, an everyday routine like uh, bath time, and she'll say, you know, I really can only give him a bath every about every five or six days because he's so um, upset by it that I just don't even go there. And that lets me know, boy, this is going to be an uphill battle to get this kid to do anything because mom doesn't even make him take a bath, you know, on a regular basis. Or a mom might say something like, well, he, you know, mm, I just can't get him to sit down for meals. And I'll say, what have you tried? And they'll say, nothing. He just won't sit down. And so that's kind of a whole <laughs> different ball game as far as letting you know just how hard it's been for a parent to try to do everyday routine things. So that's certainly something that we have to address and that we have to kind of see you know, have there been any expectations or any um, requirements that, that a family has made? Now, again, let me just say, if you're a parent and you're listening to this, please don't think that I'm heavy-handed and that I'm saying, you know, this child will be compliant immediately. I'm not saying that at all because that's, that's not my heart and that's not how I feel about children, especially kids with developmental delays. But at the same time, it's super important information for us to know as therapists because if you're working with a family like this, you're not going to be able to come in and say, you know, hey, here's how it's going down. He's, I'm here and you're here and we're all three going to play and da 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 You know, it's just not going to be that way. And it doesn't sound like, Hannah, that you have an issue with that. It sounds like you're pretty open to wanting to do whatever it is that he likes because you've already taken him outside. You've already done some things mm -hmm. that maybe sound a little non-traditional to therapists who maybe only practice in a school setting or practice in a clinical setting. We therapists who do home visits, you know, we'll do therapy anywhere. <laughs> you know, we work with right, them right. where they want to be. So you've already sort of walked through that. And so, again, that's something that as a therapist – you have to really consider that family dynamic. If mom and dad have, haven't been very um, 
traditional or don't really have expectations for participation, then that, that means that's going to be even harder to work with a child like that. So, But it sounds like this mom has tried um, various things to help him play with her and engage with her, right? Yes, yes, definitely. So they've tried a lot of things, and they are also in – uh, speech therapy as well, and so they're trying some things there too. So I know it's been a little hard there as well. So, uh, but she's well, she's definitely on board and trying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, have there been differences in your approaches? You think with you and the and the speech therapist? From from what they were saying, yes, because they from what they were saying, it was more of a. Just from what I was trying to gather, it was more of they were trying to withhold things until he could, you know, do something to get them. And she's like, that just doesn't seem right because he's so little and things like that. So I think it was, I don't know if you guys have more of like a behavioral setting or approach like with, you know, speech therapy, but it seems kind of more at the behavior side of things. And I don't know. That's that's just from what our conversation Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> it's, it, it's not yes. going very well. So, yeah. You know, and I understand that therapists want to try that and kind of go there at the beginning. And here's the here's the thing about that. Sometimes that works. And sometimes that's, you know, really helping a kid you know, learn, hey, I've got to do something to get something. But it doesn't sound like this little guy's there yet because he's not socially connected and it doesn't sound like he has too many motivators, meaning things that he really, really likes to do. Let's talk about that. You've you've said that he likes outside. What are some other things that he likes to do? He likes to watch videos. So when we're inside, uh, if we're having, you know, a time where he's trying to avoid something, he goes straight to his room, sits down, and either – uh, gets the remote and tries to turn on the TV, or he'll try and get the remote or get mom to turn on the, the DVD player. Um, and he also likes to hang out in their truck. So he'll just go outside and stand at the truck door like, let me in, let me in the truck. Um, he, I think he likes some of his train toys and things like that. I haven't seen him play a whole lot in our visits with that, um, but those okay. are some of the things. Yeah. What does he is he a picky eater, Hannah, or does he accept a lot of foods? Like, could you use some food with him, some snack foods? Uh, I haven't thought about that. That would be a good one. Um, I see him at breakfast time, so he's he's either um, already had breakfast or he's going to eat breakfast after. So that would be a good suggestion to uh, to do. I don't yeah, think he's would... super picky. Yeah, that would be good. Food is something that I would use for him. And here's why I'm asking. He needs more reasons to stay with you. And we've talked about, I said when I was doing my little monologue there about uh, avoidance and escape, and it's always, I mean, the reason all of us use those behaviors is to get out of something that we don't want to do, avoid something we don't want to do. And, again, I'm kind of lumping those terms together, and if any of our colleagues who are ABA therapists are listening, I know that I'm, I know there's differences in their Technically, but man, to me, it all looks the same. <laughs> he doesn't want to do whatever it is that you wanted him to do. So, the the theory here is we got to make it more fun. We've got to we've got to give him a reason to want to stay with us and a reason to try to communicate and a reason to engage. So we always have to look for what those motivators are, and I always look for uh, things a kid will eat things the kid will play with, and then things that he'll do, like a movement game. So does he like little social games, Hannah? Can you get him to do anything with you like you, you, you gave a great example of pushing his toy down the driveway. That would be a movement activity, so he liked that. Uh-huh. Do you have any other things that you've tried like that? We, um, we've tried some songs and, and things like that, you know, like Wheels on the Bus, you know, leaving parts out to see if he'll jump in, uh, things like that. And he, he's not really on board with that. His mom says that he doesn't like music. Uh, so occasionally, you know, we do yeah. get those kids too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, <laughs> it's so a lot that, of our you know, that was, It's a lot of red flags. 
for kids who have sensory processing differences. And we know lots of our little friends who go on to get an autism diagnosis. I mean, these are lots of the things that you're saying. You know, uh, doesn't his play skills aren't that great, even though he's got pretty good fine motor control, limited engagement, um, kind of... Uh, perseverative in that, or fixated on what his interest, his special interest, I mean, sitting out in a truck, that's, that's a fixation. That's a special interest. Yes, he's doing that to get away from you, but at the same time, that's not something that lots of toddlers like to do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's right. Have you had other, have you had a lot of other kids on your caseload over the years go want to really insist that they sit in the truck outside? Nope, this is it. This is one of the first ones. <laughs> it's not the first. Me too. And so that's what I'm meaning. It's that you know, again, that's a that's a red flag. Just those highly ritualized, really quirky kinds of interests there. And so again, just looking at him from a diagnostic perspective, these are the kinds of things that you're going to want to talk to mom about as you're leading her down that road with. I think there's something more going on here than uh, a lot, uh, late talking. Now, does she know that? Have you all gone there with her yet? Um, we haven't. In our program, you know, and, and in the state, too, I think, you know, we're not really supposed to say, hey, I think you need to, to you know, explore further testing. I think sometimes, like, what I've done in the past is if parents have, have said something like, okay, so a family member mentioned this, what do you think? And then, you know, obviously I'll encourage and be like, okay, like, you know, this is on the table. I think, you know, it'd be worth exploring, right. you know, and, and and counting out. But we don't really have a lot of freedom to, to be like, okay, we need to go get some extra testing. So, uh, so yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you can't change the rules. You can't change the rules. Yeah. If you live somewhere different, it would be different, you know. And a lot of states are like that where they really don't want their therapist making diagnoses but I, I you know in a way I would encourage people and again this isn't just for you Hannah this is globally to everyone listening when we have that as professionals we have to push back a little bit because otherwise I don't feel like we're really serving families as well as we could um, and, yeah. I, I, and you know and I know that you know that and I know that you have certainly experienced that frustration just by how you talked about it but sometimes, you know, what we need to do is, in this situation, is almost lead a mom to ask questions. And if we can't go there, if we can't always initiate those conversations, like you said, we can certainly respond when a parent has questions. So you might want to do some of that, you know. And, again, I don't know your personality, and I don't know this family, or, I, you know, I don't know if that's doable for you. But for other therapists listening and you're thinking, boy, I wish I had a way out of this. I wish I had something I could do. You know, they have to mention it to me first really do some leading with asking questions and really talking about it like, hmm, what do you think this is? Gosh, I'm noticing that he's got a language delay and he's got some different sensory processing differences and you explain that, you know, that he's avoiding you know, some social differences, he's avoiding some eye contact and things. And you'll ask things that are other markers for things that differentiate autism from language delay. And so you're telling mom, you know, gosh, I'm really, I'm, you know, mm, I'm really concerned about this constellation of things and concerns we're seeing here. And then parents will start to ask questions. Again, that's not necessarily directed totally to you, but it is relevant for this kind of situation when you feel like your hands are tied, when you know <laughs> in your heart that there's something more going on here than a language delay. So just that's, yeah. that's just kind of a side little thing. All right. So let's talk about some really specific suggestions that I have for you as far as treatment based on what you've said about him. And again, remember, we have to do everything we can to make your interactions with him and mom and everybody else's interactions with him less aversive or less, um, less uncomfortable so you have to figure out the motivators like we talked about and you have to figure out you know how can I kind of hook his attention here um, since he likes the um, playing outside I would definitely do that and I probably would 
do something with movement games that are social, but not the music piece, since you said that he doesn't like singing. So one thing with any little song that you're trying to do, instead of singing, I would move that to chanting. And so, like you said, you tried Wheels on the Bus. You know, I would probably pair that if you thought, you know, gosh, I want to use music or whatever, and he just doesn't like it. You know, you can always just kind of chant, you know, wheels on the bus go round and round, round and round, round and round. And lots of kids will take that better. Now, that doesn't mean that you do that all the time, but if you can figure out, you know, oh, gosh, this is my little routine I usually do with a song. How am I going to use it with this kid? That's a trick to use chanting instead of music. So that might be one idea. The other thing is these little social games with movement. So things like um, ring around the rosies. Have you tried anything like that with him? With him? Uh, we we have not yet, and I don't think. And and that would be something definitely, you know, as as I can see that he's starting to really respond, and we have, you know, uh, a couple of minutes of interaction. I think that would be good uh, for sure. We we have not tried that and, yet. You know, and that's these little games like this. I would try after he's been outside. After you've gotten him super, super regulated, meaning he's not just in that fight or flight phase when he's really comfortable and doing his own thing and you start to see, you know, increased affect, so he's smiling more, he's enjoying you more, he's letting you be there, that would be when I would jump in. I wouldn't go right in next week and say, you know, grab his little hands and... (laughs) Start the song. And again, I don't think you would do that, yeah. but I'm saying that for any listeners. But any other little kind of game, even like a chasing game, Hannah, where, and you've already sort of implemented, you, you were doing this kind of in theory when you were having him walk away from you and you guys weren't keeping up and he looked around to see where you were because on some level he wants you there. You know, he knows yeah. you're supposed to be right. So any kind yeah. of little game where, you know, get you, get you, get you, where he runs ahead and then you kind of scoop him up and then sling him around and then put him back down, um, how does he handle that kind of physical rowdy play? Does he? Have you tried any of that? Um, I have. Um, I've actually tried some of that. Um, after I noticed that he was likes to climb things and would climb, you know, their little rock formations outside in front of the house, um, I would pick him up and kind of hold him upside down and tickle him, and he seemed to enjoy that. He didn't like it for long, like after a couple of times of dipping him back down and forth, and he was kind of over it. But but he does yeah. like that, I think, to some extent. That's a good one. You know, he might have had just some um, kind of a sensory reaction to that if you were picking him up and stuff. You know, that could have yeah. been sort of a proprioceptive sort of thing. You know, and it, for parents listening, it, it could have made him dizzy. It could have, you know, made him a little bit nauseous. Sometimes kids, when they don't really know where their bodies are in space, have those sort of reactions, and you think that it's a social reaction, but it's, it, it is. But it's kind of a physical reaction, too. So that might be something you would look for. So you might have him, you know, again, little games where running, jumping, anything where he's more in control of his body so that he doesn't get that Mm -hmm. surprise of picking him up and stuff. And a lot of kids love that. A lot of kids love being swung around and tossed all over and stuff. And if he doesn't, though, you know, try to think, how can I use a physical movement game here where it's um, he's still moving, but he's more in control of his body. What about little games, other little games that you've tried? Have you done – I know you said you did wheels on the bus, but have you done anything where, like, it's he's just, like, right – on you, like ride a little horsey, row, row your boat, or does he do anything like that with mom? Um, I haven't seen him do anything like that. I'm not sure, you know, if they do or don't during the week, but that would be definitely something to ask to see if they, you know, tried some of that. I totally would because I think social games, here's the deal. If we're working on social interaction with a kid, it, it this is the way that typically developing toddlers perfect their ability to stay with an adult, learn a little routine, learn that whole do your part thing. You know, when we teach babies to play peekaboo and patty cake and those kinds of things, that's how social engagement really flourishes and blossoms. So that's certainly something I would do is talk to mom about those social games. And again, Hannah, it may be that you, you aren't the deliverer of the interaction during the games. It may be that you're teaching mom 
the game yeah. and she's doing it with him rather than you. And and that's that's our whole purpose anyway as home interventionists. Yeah. You know, we want to teach parents what what they could do and how they could do. And and modeling activities is perfect when a kid will do it with you and like it. But here's the problem. When a parent sees an experienced therapist struggle and fail, one, they know then if it happens with them that it's, you know, that's just what's going to happen. But two, sometimes they start to think these ideas don't work. When if we switched it and had mom do a lot of this stuff, it would go better and she would feel better and she wouldn't see um, or experience that kind of negative piece too. So, so and again, Hannah, I, I don't want you to feel like I'm just saying, do this, da, da, da. you know, I'm just no, I'm that's talking great. to whoever's listening. Yeah. So that would be another <laughs> thing. It's when you implement these little social games and little social routines like this, get mom kind of in there and and do a lot of coaching with her where you're saying, okay, here's what we're going to do, you know, and really set it up with her and say, I'm going to teach you these little games, but I want you to be the person who does it because he loves you the best. He responds to you the best. He doesn't know me well enough yet. And besides, you know, we want him doing this with you all week long. I'm only here for one hour, so let's make the most bang for our buck and get him uh-huh. to do it with you. So that's, you know, kind of walking through that with mom. But that's one thing I would try next week is really, really think about little social games and little social routines with how you can pull him in and work on interaction in the context of that more structured routine. So I think those little things work really well. Um I always recommend that therapists have 10 to 15 little social routines that they use all the time and that at any given time they can think, oh, I can play this game, I can play that game, we can sing this song, we can do that song. And, again, singing's kind of out for him. But for other kids, um, it's totally not. So your go-to routines, Hannah, I know I'm putting you on the spot and I feel bad for even asking but do you have little routines like that where where you just, you know, those are kind of some of your go-to activities. Is that something that you um, need some ideas for, or do you have some things that you already do? Yeah, I do a lot of um, kind of, um, I think you would call them verbal routines. Um, and yeah. so lots of, um, you know, like ready, set, go, up, 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 down. Um, you know, yeah. some songs like, Throw your bow. I've done, um, you know, um, you know, things like that. So I've definitely got some in my pocket. But if you have any more suggestions, Good. I would so, love to hear it. <laughs> yeah, I would do. Listen, I would just sit down really after the show or before you're going to see him next week, and or even when you're driving to his house, <laughs> and think, <laughs> okay, I, I can play this. I can play this. You know, really kind of run through. What about peekaboo? What about some kind of little hiding thing? Have you done anything like that? Yeah, we've done those. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've done peekaboo and hiding. And he likes those to some extent. Like, um, he'll initiate, you know, just barely. Like, if I hide, he'll kind of peek up over, you know, something or around the corner. I think we played it last whenever he was sitting in the truck. So I try to make the most out of what, you know, he was doing. And so, um, sure. So so we were kind of playing peekaboo in there, and so I was talking to the mom about how we can use these things that he is doing, you know, to, exactly. to kind of facilitate perfect. some of those goals. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and that's perfect. You're meeting him where he is, so that's that's perfect. But just think about those little things and think, you know, before next week, what are some little games, you know, that I can introduce? What about, you know, like a little jumping game where mom holds his hands and they, you know, kind of bend their knees on one, two, three, jump, you know, and then everybody celebrates and then they get ready and kind of reset. You know, and that might be something to do outside in the driveway, you know, when she's, when you all have pushed his little whatever toy he's pushing, you know, till he, he you know, you think, man, I got to, we got to do something different here. That might be a little routine to do, you know, just something real simple like that where um, it's got a little bit more structure to it. And like you said, where there's a verbal routine, where he really learns it. So that might be something um, that you would want to do. Any little routine. We've talked about um, Ring Around the Rosies. A little marching game might be fun up and down the driveway. Or giant steps. Or 
or hopping or jumping, you know, any little physical activity, maybe see if you can get some imitation going there. And if mom can hold his hand and do it, that might be another way to sort of pull him in and him feel a little bit more comfortable. You know, we know he likes holding hands because that's his main mode of communicating <laughs> with leading. Yeah, yeah. So that's our, yeah, that might be an idea to try. Let me ask you this about the videos. Have you used the videos any way? Like have have you had him try to request or and he may not even be to the point where he can do this yet with a word or a sign to get the T V on? Have you tried any of that? Yeah, we've modeled uh, things such as, like, open or on or, you know, press play, you know, things like that to see, you know, if maybe if we pause for a second and he could give us some eye contact or something to let us know to to turn it on and things like that. We've also played some uh, some games up on the dresser where he's got his TV to see if we could get more interest in that. Um, and that ended up, you know, going pretty well once, but then, you know, it didn't happen again. So we tried some, you know, modeling. Yeah. Let me just tell you, I've only done this a few times with a few kids, but I had a little, it's on my Is It Autism course, and it says part two in the intervention section, that second part of that, that course, where there's a little guy that I show who's obsessed with TV, and to get him to participate... <laughs> What we had to really do, and this is a lot more ABA-like than uh, I traditionally like to be, but this really, really worked for him, is he had to just complete a really basic play routine with us, like structured teaching, and we'll talk about that in a minute. So one little, one little routine, like where we put five little pom-poms in the coffee can, and then as soon as he sat and did that, we immediately rewarded him with a uh, you know, couple minutes of watching his videos. And that worked beautifully for that kid to help him not run away, to help him learn task completion, so sitting and staying with us. But we had to use the darn TV because that was his biggest motivator. And he knew after a few times of mom just kind of, and again, this was a kid who had, such strong emotional responses to me. I mean, he hated my guts and just he had had a lot of therapy that had gone horribly awry before I even started to see him. You know, I was kind of last-ditch effort speech therapist, and he kind of knew, you know, any lady coming into my house, I'm just going to raise holy you-know-what because I don't like them and I they make me do stuff that I don't like. So we had to, from the beginning, come up with newer things to do. So we had a lot of structured teaching activities. Now, Hannah, are you familiar with these teach activities? Do you know what I'm talking about with structured teaching? Um, I've definitely I've heard about them before, but um, I think we, you know, as early interventionists, are a little bit different in that approach. And so I know. And, um, but let yeah. me tell you, you can still yeah, make these activities look okay. But you can still talk with mom about making these activities more functional. And the let me just say, my introduction to teach and to these kind of structured teaching things, you know, I've always always known that toddlers like in and out games and they like just really uh especially kids who have some of the strengths that you talked about with him and weaknesses. They only like these little play routines that are really, really predictable and something that they can do several times in a row and then they're done with it. And so my introduction to teach actually came from my mom who had a little boy that's mm, pretty much a carbon copy, <laughs> this little guy that you're working with. And she okay. really started with these super-focused routines. And so you could take a really common toy, let's just say something like a potato head, and instead of having him put the pieces on, y'all already assembled the potato head and then have him, his little job in this play routine is to take the pieces off, put them in a box, or a lot of, a lot of kids like diaper white boxes, especially ones that have kind of a squishy opening. I think Huggies is a brand, okay. and I think even Kroger has a brand like that where it's a diaper, uh, the white box, but you open up the top and then there's another little container thing and so you might have him just pull the pieces off 
Mr. Potato Head, or really deconstruct any toy. It could be a puzzle. Instead of him putting the pieces in, he's taking the pieces out, putting them in this little box. And then as soon as he is done, you immediately say, you know, yay, TV, and then, you know, whatever your little requesting word is there. I think you said press play or on or start or, you know, more or requesting word, whatever you want to do. And then, again, have him watch for a couple minutes and then turn it off and say, now we do this. And so you get him in the habit of really staying with you. And, again, the activities might not even last a minute. I mean, it might just be 30 seconds at the beginning where you're coming up with these fast-paced activities that are not too hard for him and the the principle here deconstruction with play with kids who don't have great play skills you kind of have to start at the very bottom and and all toddlers like to destroy things and take things apart (laughs) so that's why that works so you look at any kind of little constructive play uh, and you have him or it doesn't even have to be constructive like I mentioned before the puzzle you have him just take the pieces out. Or if if you've had, um, say, a block tower that you've built, he can knock it down but then put the blocks back in a container and then, again, immediately reward him with that TV. That's a good way to build um, attention. And if you don't want to, like, go all <laughs> gangbusters with making a lot of toys and setting up a lot of these little activities, you can do it just with those practical things that I've mentioned, those little ideas. There's a therapy tip of the week about deconstruction, and therapy tip of the week videos are videos that I have done at teachmetotalk.com, and they're on YouTube as well. There's one from last year, called, or maybe the year before, called Deconstruction. So look that up, Hannah, because there will be some good ideas in there for some okay. toys that you can have him take apart. Uh, and again, if you don't want, for therapists who aren't in Hannah's state with the, their hands, her hands tied with what she can do for activities or not, look up structured teaching activities on um, Pinterest or Google it. So many good ideas with little activities that you can make or things that you can use that families already have at home. So great, great resource there. And again, the reason that you want to use activities like this is you're working on participation and task completion and attention, all of those really foundational skills. Here's a quote that I say all the time. Attention is the gatekeeper for anything that we want to teach a kid. And until we can get him engaged with us and paying attention, we can't do anything else. So that's something that I would think about um, next week too. You know, How can I look at some of these little deconstructive play routines that are more structured and then just reward the heck out of it with TV. If He might like food for you, Hannah. You may be able to set it up where, you know, he's, you know, and again, this is more ABA-like than we would probably like to do, but he's kind of an extreme case. So it might be where he's playing with you or he's doing something with you, and then food is his reward. So as long as he sits there and stays with you and does something with you for 10 seconds, he gets a goldfish, and then you do yeah. something else. and there's a goldfish. So, again, think about how you can incorporate that. You can make it a, when he's ready, you know, he can do a word for it or a sign for it to request. Right now, I would stick with what you're doing. If he stayed with you and looked at you, made eye contact, that would be enough for me, you know, to really yeah. want to reward that. So that's an idea, too. Um, let's see. I had another thought. Here's something that I want to mention that I don't think you're going to need to do because it sounds like you're finding some things. Um, but for anybody else who's listening, when you've had a situation where where it's just gone so horribly wrong with a kid for weeks and weeks and weeks and you just feel like, oh, what am I going to do here? Sometimes it really does help to take a little therapy vacay <laughs> where you skip them. You don't see a kid for two or three weeks, but then when you come back, it's sort of like starting over. And so you give them, you know, and again, this isn't for necessarily for you, Hannah, because you've figured out a way to kind of get things going again. But, you, again, you look at it like, hey, we're taking a break. And so when I come back, I'm going to come back with a different approach and new ideas and different things that we can do and, and see uh, where you're going with that. All right, I want to talk about um, 
other ideas for outside play. So have you done things like just kicking balls or playing bubbles or balloons or things like that? Yeah, yeah, we've uh, we've definitely kicked some balls around um, and things like that. Uh, we were going to try bubbles, but they didn't have any that day. And so, um, so the next week I had planned to bring some bubbles, but then we kind of got on to a different task, which was totally awesome because yeah. it was working. Um, so yeah. we took some balls and things like that, but it it doesn't look initially like he's he's trying to you know kick it back or kind of stay engaged with you. So um, now during this, right. I think yeah, I would probably have mom really. I would say, hey, I need you to be his buddy during this. And how does yeah. he respond when mom kind of on him and getting you know like, oh, come on, come on? And does he do okay with that when she's pretty? physical with him and giving him that um, kind of, it wouldn't be hand over hand if she's trying to get him to kick and stuff, but does she try to corral him a little bit and help him participate a little bit? Yeah, yeah, she's helping him some, and and he does pretty well with that. I think at times, too, he also tries to, you know, go off and do his own thing or or kind of, you know, jump ship, too. So, so, but I think she does pretty well as far as trying to get him in involved and continuing play as well and and oftentimes i'll i'll try something and be like okay your turn you know you try it too and you know and i'll tell her um you know what you said about you know we're only here one time a week and you know the ball's in your court sort of deal so okay good when does he do best with her what kinds of things do they do already um i think i think a lot of outside play is really his you know, his MO, you know, he, um, he does really, you know, she, she talks a lot about how they like to take rides, you know, after his dad gets home from work in the, in the four wheeler, whatever uh, they had and uh, they'll, or golf cart and they'll ride down the street and things like that. And, you know, if he's outside and they're outside, you know, the neighbor kid will come over and he's done really well with her and and stuff like that. Okay, good. So I, I think you're doing great, Ben, with really looking at what they already like to do and incorporating what his little highly preferred activities are um, and getting that going. How does he communicate? Like, let's go back to that truck thing. Okay. What, is he, what does he do to let mom know that he wants in the truck? I mean, is she is she pausing so that he can look at her or... I know you've you've talked a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. He'll go he'll go to the truck and, and either stand at the door for her to open it and he will. He'll turn around and make some eye contact, like, Are you gonna open this for me? Um, yeah. or, you know, he'll take her hand to it and that sort of thing. So that, he'll you know, talk pretty much to her about not making her hands as readily available. So that he okay. has to work a little bit. So, you know, stick her hands behind her back, see if he'll pursue that, and she needs to just be real high affect, you know, like, what are you looking for? What are you doing? You know, that sort of thing, and really kind yeah. of get him engaged in that. So that would be an idea, waiting a little bit for eye contact. Any other kind of little routine that you can get going as far as um, knocking on the door of the truck might be something that you would try, or I know that you said you've tried some words, He's probably not a great signer because he's not really imitating any actions yet. So has he had any luck with signs? I'm going to be surprised if you say he has. Uh, no, no. We've uh, we've definitely, you know, we're still modeling and, and mom's doing a great yeah. job about showing him some things. And, you know, we're, we're continuing to use them and we talk about that. Um, but, yeah. he, but even, yeah, even something like, yeah, but even an action like knocking on the door to get her, you know, you know, her to really model that, knocking on the door of the truck, anything where you can make it uh, gesture-based where he's imitating that, those are all prerequisites for signing. And so until he's really imitating some of those kinds of things, signs aren't going to work. And usually kids have to be pretty engaged before they're looking at you. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that they can even imitate what you've modeled. So that's, I was just going to be shocked if you said that he could do that just kind of based on based on that. So that's another thing that I would do is look at what's one more little step I can add to something that he really, really likes to do. So if he's super motivated for the truck, that might be a thing. Hannah, let me ask you one more thing. We're almost out of time. But have you 
I've done picture exchange communication system with kids before. Have you done any PECs? Um, I have done a little bit. I've never uh, been confident enough in it to, like, start it and do the full program. Like, we've talked through it with parents, and what I usually do is kind of defer to the speech therapist. I'll say, you know, this is a great way, and, you know, we'll talk about it, and we'll even do a little bit, and I'll kind of show them some if-then boards or, you know, some visual schedules to, you know, to kind of start. Um, but I always kind of say, okay, so, check with your speech therapist first if if this is a route. So yeah, well, let me just say, some of that sometimes when visual schedules and those kinds of things like communication boards don't work, it's because it's too hard. And PEX is really, and I, I, it's fine that you're deferring to the speech pathologist, you know, whatever you feel comfortable with with that. But let me just talk about why he would be a good candidate for picture exchange communication system. Uh, because okay. he's, you know, not he doesn't really process auditory stimulations. He's not really listening. Doesn't know what a lot of words mean yet. So that's why pictures work with kids like this. And then when we do pecs, the beauty of it is that you really teach that I have to do something to get something, but you're doing it in a way that he could actually do. Most kids, and certainly a kid with as many motor strengths as as this kid has, is going to be able to pick up a picture and put it in somebody's hand. You know, that is pretty easy. It's a lot easier than signing. It's a lot easier than talking. So picture exchange would be a good way to do it. But the beauty of PECS is that it's so systematic. And the, the, the way that they've laid that program out and the way that you teach a kid that is just almost foolproof or foolproof when you do it because when we adhere to that pretty strict set of rules and don't violate it, which, by the way, we all do because we're all human, but at the same time, it is a good way to teach a kid an alternative method of communicating, especially up front. And it sounds like for him, just based on what you've said about him, that this communication thing is going to be more of a long-term issue that he and that he doesn't really get that whole I mean he does understand that I need another person to do things for me because he's leading them but I think that he still really really lacks that um that missing piece the social component the whole gosh I've got to really again like you said before initiate or engage you to do it and and Pex really teaches kids to do that because they're giving you something and they do make that association so investigate text hannah you're i think you said that i don't think you're in private practice you work for an agency don't you yes mm-hmm. well that's right somebody's probably that you i hope that your agency has pecs or would buy pecs for you but i would get the manual and i would read it cover to cover and I would look at that and get that going. And again, if you feel like you're going to defer to the speech pathologist on the, you know, for that, that's okay. And I certainly understand the whole professional boundary or whatever. But it is worth pursuing for kids like him, um, who aren't going to just be able to pop out those little words pretty quickly, and who aren't good candidates for signing because their social referencing and engagement and limited participation with people really kind of nixes. Um, the the success of sign language because he doesn't you know he's still struggling with the things that he would need to do so that's something that I would investigate too is look at yeah and see. now can you all co treat can you do any of that in your state um I'm not sure what that is <laughs> okay well that might be an idea too where if you're going to get text okay. going you and the speech pathologist do a joint visit there. And talk about okay. that, and see if she's oh, on board with co- that. Now. Okay, I'm on co-treat. We treat together. Yeah, yeah. We're both therapists go at the same time. Yeah, yeah. We we can do now. Like they they had it set up before where we definitely could not, uh, but now uh-huh. they uh, they are recommending. You know that we can do not recommending, but they say that you know we can do two or three. You know every so often. Oh yeah. Oh, and I wouldn't do any more than that because then I think kids are getting cheated from therapy time. I mean, that used to just bug the, you know, what out of me when I would uh, work in a program and I would join a team and I figured out, you know, that the 
OT and the developmental person were ne- always went together, and I always felt like, well, man, you're cheating that kid out of another hour of intervention. You guys should, you know, split that up a little bit, and then he's got one more hour. That family has one more hour of service. So I think for two or three visits it would be good, especially if your speech pathologist is on board with PECS and if she's good with PECS. And let me just say, Hannah, I just – I hope that you have good speech therapists who work in your agency, and if not, you need to just empower yourself (laughs) to kind of jump in there and take some of that lead when you feel like, man, you know, I've, I've got some better ideas here. These things are working a little bit better for me than it sounds like it might be going, and that's vice versa too. I'm not bashing any field or profession. I'm just saying, you know, when we're... When we have some different ideas, we don't need to be shy about jumping in there and saying, hey, have you thought about PECs? Have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? And then getting yeah. that going if another therapist seems a little bit reluctant. You know, you, you yeah. are multidisciplinary. You cover everything. So don't be shy, Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. And we've, we've actually talked about it, like, not in formal terms, like I don't know that I mentioned the term text, but, but we did talk about, you know, maybe we could put a picture of, you know, the truck on the kitchen door that leads outside to the garage or, you know, well, something like that so where he could see. Yeah, and that's a good idea, but listen, pecs them to be better. And so here's yeah. what you would do for the truck. You would take a picture of the truck so you've got that representation of what it actually is don't go with the black and white drawing for a toddler i mean make it look you know take a picture or you or mom print it and then i laminate all my pictures because they get so gross after a while but yeah. stand with him right in front of the truck and either you be his the helper with him or and have mom be the person that gets the picture like she's the person that's he's communicating with and you just stand there with that picture of the truck and if you help him at the beginning with a full assisted learning to pick up the picture of the truck hand it to mom as soon as your mom gets the picture of the truck you all go woohoo and open the door and i would just do that and the research about pecs is that you have to have 30 opportunities a day to learn to trade pictures and so you just do this since that's his favorite activity and he wants to do it over and over you know, let him be in the truck for a few minutes, come up with a reason for him to get out, and then repeat that whole process. And, I I mean, I think that will teach him. And do the same thing with the TV remote, where he's learning how to trade for something that he really, really loves. And that's just the very best way to get that going. But for anybody who's listening, buy the copy of the manual. So the Picture Exchange Communication System I think it's the company that does that is Pyramid. You can uh, Google it, though, PECS, and I know that you'll get that purchasing information. But it is just the very best way to teach pictures. And I'm not slamming the idea of putting the picture on the garage door or whatever so that he knows that he has to do it. But some kids need more direct teaching than that. And it sounds like that he might be a kid like that (laughs) that won't necessarily make that connection. So look at PECS. So here's what I would do. Let's just kind of summarize because we're at the end of the hour. I would focus on social games, so getting some of those physical movement social games. There's a social component there where he's got to kind of stay with you and you've got some physical movement going, so he's going to like that. Secondly, do some really heavy-duty rewarding of his attention when he stays with you. So we talked about how we could use the TV with those little structured teaching activities. And we talked about how those structured teaching activities look just a lot in the beginning, like deconstructive play. You know, I'm going to take the the rings off the ring stacker. I'm going to take the pieces out of Mr. Potato Head. I'm going to take the pieces out of the puzzle, put them in a little container. As soon as they're done, you celebrate and then reward them, like with the TB. We talked about how you're going to investigate food to see if food is a good motivator for him and then figure out how to work that through activities. If he likes it enough, you may be able to get some requesting going for that. If not, you're going to back it up and look for eye contact or touching you or anything that lets you know, hey, I want this. I'm going to do some initiating there. And then we talked about pecs and the value of that alternative communication system to really kind of get that going. All right, so that's what I would try with him, Hannah. Do you have questions about that, or you think you're good to go? 
I think I'm good to go. Those are all great suggestions for sure. Okay. For sure. Let Thank me you. Just, you're welcome. Let me just say one more thing. For kids like this, um, the Is It Autism course, the second half of that, part two of that, is a fantastic resource because it walks through ten different treatment modalities. Everything that we talked about is included in that course. Hannah, I want to send that to you to, as my gift to thank you for being on the show. So oh, I want thanks. you to send me your address so you, so you okay. can have that course. But for anybody else, look that up because it really does walk through how to work with these really challenging kids and how when you think, man, I haven't had a kid like this in a long time, those ten approaches that are on the video on the course are really worth pursuing for kids who are really, really challenging like this, especially ones who have as many red flags and markers for autism, even if they don't have the diagnosis yet. So a little plug for that course. But I want to send it to you, Hannah. You've been a great guest. Will you email me and let me know how he's doing in a month or two and see if some of these ideas yes. worked. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a great show. And if you are like Hannah and have a particularly difficult child and you want to walk through it for an hour, email me. I'd love to have you as a guest on the show. You can send that to Laura at teachers.com. All right, that's all for today. Thanks, Hannah. I appreciate it. Email me. Will do. Thank you. Thank you. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.